0: Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. That is the foundation of everything we do here, that work right there. Good morning, Durwood. Good morning. Last week, we were looking at the war we all experience between walking in the flesh which leads to deeds in the flesh, sin, and walking in the spirit, which leads to fruit of the spirit. The draw to serve ourself is strong. But the way to overcome it is to serve one another in love. And it's there that we are truly free. That's what we were talking about last week. Where real freedom is. It's in walking in the Spirit. See, the Galatians were tempted to go back to the law, to go back to the Mosaic law and seek justification through keeping all the rules. And Paul said, don't do it. It's a huge mistake. Don't do it. You were set free by the Spirit. Live in that. And in living in that, you will in turn fulfill the law. That's what he was going. We are truly free and even where we fulfill, uh, and and that's even where we fulfill the law of Christ. Now let me ask you a question after all that we talked about last week. Let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud. Don't raise your hand. Don't do any of that. This is for you. Did you make any decisions last week differently based on the call to serve one another in love? Did you do anything different as minor as it may have been? Did you let what we saw in scripture change something? Even if it's just a small thing, did you do that? How did you go about your days? So I'm not asking to try and shame or guilt anyone. That's not my goal here. I don't want to do anything like that. What I, why I'm asking is it's a reminder. I ask as a reminder that that you're not here to hear me. You didn't show up to hear me talk. You don't show up to hear Pastor Colin talk. Or anybody else for that matter. At least I hope not. Because we'll let you down. Right? You're not here for that. We're not even here to gain more knowledge about the Bible. As good as that is. And as right as that is. We're here together as a family. To worship the Lord. And to hear his word in order to walk. Which is just another way of saying live. In order to walk or live in step with the Holy Spirit. To live out our faith every day. That's what we're here for. To let the truth revealed in God's word change us and the way we live. To change who we are to make us more like Jesus. Which will then translate into living a life that looks more like Jesus. That's what we're here for. Now... Last week, in addition to talking about freedom, we talked about serving one another in love, that that is how we walk in the Spirit. We serve one another in love. That's Galatians 5. This week, we're going to get very specific about how we serve one another in love, because Paul gets very specific in his instruction to the Galatians. What Paul is calling the Galatians to, and what we are being called to, is probably one of the hardest things that we will do in our life, in our walk with Jesus. It's one of the hardest things we'll do. However, if we will trust that God knows what he's doing, if, if, if we will trust that he is faithful and that he is worth more than anything we will give up or anything we will suffer in this life, we will find that at the end of this, it will all have been worth it. It will all be worth it. So let's get into this and see what God has for us this morning in Galatians. We're continuing in Galatians. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Father, would you lead us this morning? Would you give us humble hearts? Would you please work in us to help us to love one another well, and in so doing, love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind? Will you give us understanding into your word today? Will you convict us of our sin? Will you encourage us in our hope in you? Will you show us, Lord, how we may best live to honor you with our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. What does it mean to bear one another's burdens? That's what we're talking about today. Bearing one another's burdens. It would be easy to see this as ambiguous. Where the burden could be basically any kind of need. We often think of helping someone financially who's in need. That's bearing someone's burden. True. We often think of uh, someone struggling in, in other ways. Maybe physical needs. Providing meals when someone is sick. Helping them move. That's bearing burdens. Of course it is. It's a burden to help someone move, for sure. Maybe it's spiritual. Praying with them when they are hurting and worshiping. With, or Praying with them when they are hurting and worshiping with them when they're shut in their home. Going to them. All of these are good. All of these are right. All of these are things that we sh- can and should do as believers for our, for our family. But Paul is actually more specific here. This this passage is more specific than bearing those kinds of burdens. In Galatians six two, bearing one another's burdens is talking about moral burdens. In verse one, Paul lays out the situation: a brother or sister is caught in a transgression, any transgression. That's the situation. Caught could mean caught red-handed. You were caught in your sin. Caught could mean caught up in it, like entangled. So someone was caught up in sin, caught in their sin. Either way, we have family in trouble, and that's how we should view it. We have family in trouble. They're showing that they are walking according to the flesh, at least in this area. And it is bearing like fruit the deeds of the flesh in their life. So what is a believer who's walking in step with the spirit? In other words, the spiritual, as he says here, you who are spiritual, what is that person to do? Now I'll give you three options that we often do. One, ignore their sin and act like nothing is wrong. We do that. Let's be honest. Confrontation is difficult. And a lot of times we will kind of close our eyes to it because, well, we don't want to go there. Or two, maybe we change our position on that sin in order to not offend. Yeah, I thought that once, but I've since rethought my position in that area. And I don't really see it as a problem anymore. We do that. Sure. We go to the other end of the spectrum, option three. Perhaps we cut that person out of our life because we don't want that influence over us or more likely because we don't want it to look or appear like we approve of their behavior. And so we distance ourselves from them. Those are three options that we see play out a lot to be quite honest. But that's not what Paul calls us to do here. What Paul calls us to do, and by the way, God through Paul calls us to do this, is harder than any of those options. He calls them, the Galatians, and us to engage in order to restore. That's what we're called to do. This is what it means to bear one another's burdens here. We take this burden upon ourselves to strive and see them restored to Jesus. Because right now they're in rebellion. And so we see where they are. And we take the burden upon ourselves to enter into that with them. With the hope and the heart to see them restored in their relationship with Jesus. Because they're in rebellion. That's bearing someone's burden. And you say, is that bearing someone's burden? Yes, that's a burden. If you've ever tried to do this with someone, you know how heavy this weighs on you. How heavy this weighs on someone. To be in someone's life like this when they really don't necessarily want you there. Or when they're making bad decision after bad decision. And, and you're there watching it happen and you're trying to warn them. You're trying to get them to turn. And you're trying to help them to see the truth. And... They just don't see it. Yes, it is a burden. So how do we do it? What does it look like to be a burden bearer? The kind of burden bearer that Jesus is for us. Because if you think of everything I just described, of what burden bearing looks like, you'll know that that looks an awful lot like what Jesus has done for and does for us. But let's get into this. A burden bearer. What does it mean to be a burden bearer? Well, there's, there's several things. And this is where I kind of am amazed at God. Because he, he doesn't lay a statement like that, bear one another's burdens on us, without giving us a picture of what it looks like. He could do that. He could just say, do this, and leave, leave it to us to figure out what that means. He doesn't do that. Turn to Second Timothy chapter 3. In Second Timothy chapter 3... He lays this out. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 All scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now before we break this down a little bit, look at that. Look at what the goal is. That every person in the body of Christ that every one of us would be complete whole ready to serve to serve with all of our heart ready for every good work that's the goal that's the desire right so then he gets into the process it all starts with scripture for all scripture is useful scripture is the foundation for all that we do it's the foundation for everything it defines transgression or sin How would we know what it is if if, if the Lord didn't reveal that to us? Scripture defines it. It shows us what it means to be spiritual. It gives us, it shows us the promises and gives us a picture of where we're moving to answer the question, why would we ever do this? Because we wouldn't want to. In fact, we don't want to. Scripture is how God has chosen to record and preserve all we need to know about Jesus and God's will, purposes, and plans. That is what God has done. He's given us this to guide us through all of it so that we would know who he is and what he desires, what, what he loves, and, con- you know, in the converse, what he hates. And so, therefore, we teach the scriptures This is our goal because they are the foundation for all of life in Christ. We have to know the truth. We have to know the truth. Now we begin to see the process for restoring someone caught in sin because the next thing he says is reprove. Now, when someone is caught in sin, we're called to engage them with a heart of gentleness. This is key. It's a heart of gentleness, and the goal is to see them restored. However, we also have to be clear. This word, reprove, is not a soft word. It's direct. It's confrontational. Now, most of us avoid confrontation, often at all costs, because, well, maybe we've seen it done badly. And that's wrong. It's wrong when it's done badly. And we're going to talk about that in a a minute. But let's be honest. A lot of the reason why we don't do it is because it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. And we're afraid that it's going to put a rift in a relationship that we value. But when motivated by love, when done gently and humbly, it's good and right. I can't promise I can't promise the results you want, but I can tell you that it's good and it's right. When it's done gently and humbly. Because that is the only way we can get to the next part of the process, which is to correct. Every one of us goes astray. Every one of us uh, needs to get set back on the right path from time to time. God uses his people, our family here, rooted in his word to accomplish this. That's how he's chosen to work. He's given us his word and he's given us one another. And he works through both of them. We need one another. We need to see how we went wrong. And we need help in knowing how to get back on the right path. And we often need uh, that assistance. Someone to come alongside us and say, Hey, you're like out in the weeds right now. What are you doing? I love you. But even when we know where we went wrong, and even like if we come to that point where it's like, you know what, you're right, I'm wrong. I need to turn from that. I repent. I need to turn from that. Even if we get to that point, which is awesome, that's where we want to be, we continue to need people to invest in us. Because the last part of the process is training in righteousness. When we bear someone, someone's burden when we're working to restore them after being entangled in sin, we don't move on when there's repentance. We continue to invest. We continue with them to strengthen them, to strengthen someone who stumbled, to train them, to help them to see, you know, uh, the warning signs in the future because we'll all face it again. And and I need people doing that to me. This isn't a one-way street. We need people to continue to invest in us and help us train to walk in the Spirit, to live in righteousness. This is the process, and it's so necessary that Paul actually repeats himself to Timothy just a couple verses later. And In chapter 4, he goes on, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. Pretty serious charge. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. see, they're all there. Even the gentleness is in there. Complete patience. So let's get back to Galatians. So that's the process. Oops, that's not Galatians. That's the process. So we've already touched on it, the gentleness, but we need to spend a little bit of time on that because scripture actually spends quite a lot of time in it in this passage. In verse 1, he says, he restores us, a uh, a burden bearer is a humble servant. And a humble servant restores with a spirit of gentleness. Understand that your words, that my words, can wreck someone. Wreck them. We carry around a lot of power. And even if you don't feel like you exert a lot of influence, like you don't have much power, you do. Your words, my words, can wreck someone. So we have to treat people with care. Going back to last week, fruit of the Spirit is kindness, gentleness. But at the heart of that, at the heart of those harsh words when they come out, the real issue is pride especially in this situation, the real issue is pride, because what, what we're doing is, is we're looking at someone and we're getting impatient with them. And we're thinking, how could you blank? How could you do that? Like what made you think that was okay? That's our heart. That's what, that's what we want to say. And I'll, I'll admit it. I'm, I'm guilty in this. And if I ask you to raise your hands, I think there would be a lot of hands out there too. We're all guilty of this. Like we do this. This is our pride coming up. And so Paul goes on and says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. It's so easy to raise ourselves up above someone else in this way. So we're warned. Keep watch on ourselves. Keep watch. Know that you are not above their failure. There is no failure that I couldn't succumb to, given the right circumstances or whatever. I'm not above that. You aren't either. We all have a sin nature in us. We all are wrestling with the flesh. We all have that potential, but praise God, He frees us from that. He works in our lives. But we got to keep watch on ourselves. We could fall in the exact same way they do, or perhaps the greater danger in this case is getting caught up in the pride. Do we really think pride... Is less of an offense than whatever they did? I hope not. Pride was at the root of Satan's fall. Pride was at the root of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. They wanted to be like God. Then verse three goes on to say, goes on to say this for if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We have to have a right view of ourselves. We have to know that we're not above this work of entering into other people's lives. Because there's two ways this could look. It could look like I'm above that, right? I don't, you know, that's not for me. Or it could look like um, that's not my job. Maybe I haven't been trained to be in someone's life. And that's more the role of the senior pastor, or the elders, to engage someone over their sin. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. This is for all of us. You are not above this work. We have to have a right view of ourselves. We are called to serve one another in love, and bearing one another's burden is what picking up our cross and following Jesus looks like. That's what that looks like, if you've ever wondered. Romans 15, one through 3. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Failings. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He goes on, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And so be gentle. Keep watch on yourself. Don't deceive yourself into thinking you're something you're not. Humility is what will keep us on track as we bear one another's burdens. So test yourself. Test your own work. Make sure you're comparing yourself to God and not to others. That's our comparison. Not one another. Not one another. I don't get to piggyback off of someone else's success. I don't get to piggyback off my parents' faith. I don't get to piggyback off my the 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 people who have discipled me their faith. I don't get to piggyback off of anyone. It's only me. Similarly, I don't get to set myself above anyone because of their failures. The only one I have to compare myself with is Jesus. And when we're honest about our own work and about our own hearts, we will realize that if our boasting is in us alone, then honestly we don't have much to boast about. And that that drives us to Jesus. Because when we stand before him, when we stand before him, we won't have anyone else to point to. We will either point to our own works, which will never justify us before him, or we'll point to the cross. Just a little while later in Galatians, he says this, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's it. Then it seems Paul reminds him of something completely out of the blue. Verse 6 is sort of a, it seems kind of random if you just kind of go over it quickly. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Share all good things with the one who taught you. But as, as we think about it, it's not really all that random. It kind of fits right in. It's part of remaining humble. We have to stay connected with those who invested in us. Now, share all good things might mean material things, right? Provide for, for the teachers and whatnot. But I think it's more than that. I don't think it's limited to that. I think it's celebrating what God is doing in you with those who have invested in you. In doing so, you're actually acknowledging that you have grown, not on your own, but because other people have sacrificed for you. They have sacrificed to invest in you. And so you've grown because they have given something up. And that's humbling, and it should be humbling. And it puts everything, helps put things into perspective. And then finally, remaining humble, we need to look at how God treats us. Never stop reminding yourself how God treats you. That's what Psalm 103, the scripture reading that we talked about earlier, that's what that was all about. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. And that brings us to our third point. A burden bearer invests in the eternal. A burden bearer invests in the eternal. Pride will derail us and turn all of our efforts to try and help someone, to try and restore someone. It will turn it all sour. That's what pride will do. But there is another danger losing sight of the eternal. A burden bearer invests in the eternal rather than the immediate. In verse 7 through 8, he talks about do not be. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If all of our attention is on the here and now, if all of our attention is on the circumstances that we are going through in the moment, then we will be blinded by our circumstances and we will lose sight of why we ever wanted to take on another's burden in the first place. Why would we choose this stuff willingly? We won't choose to obey God in this way or using the analogy of farming as Paul does, sow to the spirit. We will focus on us and end up sowing to our own flesh and where we sow where we invest in ourselves, where we plant those seeds, that will determine the fruit that we see. That determines it. It all sounds very much like we talked about last week. Deeds of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. If we sow to the flesh, we can expect to see the deeds of the flesh developing in our lives. If we sow to the spirit, we can expect to see the fruit of the spirit grow in our lives. To think that any other result is a possibility... To think that there's any way around this, that there's any other way to do it, is a mockery of God. It's believing ourselves wise and God the fool. Because he shares, he tells us, this is how this works, and we have the arrogance to say, I think I got a little bit better way. The only outcome of living in the flesh, the only outcome of living in the flesh is death and corruption. And the only way to reap eternal life is to live by the Spirit of God. By faith in Jesus, submitted to Him, living by His Spirit. Which is where freedom is. Colossians 3, 1-4 through If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, this is sowing to the Spirit. That's what he's talking about right here. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Amen. That's our hope. That's what we're looking forward to. And so that brings us to the fourth point. A burden bearer perseveres. The last instruction we have when it comes to bearing another's burdens is as simple as it gets, but it is, one of, it is so difficult at times. And that's this. Don't quit. Don't quit. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Don't grow weary of doing good. It's how we get to see the harvest. This is where we see the reward in the end. We are to do good to everyone and especially the household of faith. We take one another's burdens on ourselves engaging when someone has been caught up in sin and striving to love them well and see them restored. This is some of the greatest good we can do. James closes his entire letter saying, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders, wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that wh- whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What a privilege to be that person. What a joy to be that person we can nev- but we can never have that joy if we never serve another by taking their burden on ourselves you can't find that you won't have it you won't have the opportunity and that may come at a cost it might there might be rejection at the end of that road. Because nowhere in here does God promise that that someone is going to respond and say, thank you. I've never thought of it that way. I'm going to do exactly what you said right now. It doesn't often work like that. It's a much longer, harder, messier road than that. And sometimes... You see someone turn, and sometimes you see someone run. But God hasn't put the results in our hands. He says, be faithful. Bear their burden. Know that I am with you. And know that I'm working there too. So, as we get ready to close up, know the process, be humble, invest in the eternal, persevere. As we bow our heads and prepare our hearts for prayer, I want to draw your attention to this. We are never more like Jesus than we, when we are bearing one another's burdens and loving them enough to try and restore them with a spirit of gentleness. That's when we're like Jesus. But let's be clear. Only Jesus can bear our sins and set us free from them. We can bear someone up and we can take, take the weight on us when we're trying to see them restored, but only Jesus sets us free. First Peter 2 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the, on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Maybe you're the one sheep that is far astray right now. There's a good shepherd calling your name, saying, Come back, actually seeking you out. As it says, he leaves the 99 for the one. We were all enemies of God, but while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And by his grace demonstrated on that cross that he alone can save us through faith. If you haven't trusted Christ, the invitation is is open. Don't remain in your sin. Turn to Jesus. Trust him. Follow him be restored as an heir of God and fellow heir with Christ in the kingdom that will never end. Father, you have given that invitation to every one of us. And Lord, we have all wrestled with it at some point. And some of us have accepted it and trusted you, put our faith in you. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who is not, that they would trust you. You are a good God. And Lord, if any of us have been running or straying from you, even though we're your children, we still do it. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would be working in hearts today to bring repentance and restoration life. You are our life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, and Jesus, it's only by you that we can be restored to the Father. So Lord, I pray that today, and I pray that as we continue through this day, as we continue with our week, that Lord, you would Just engrave these things on our hearts and help us to live faithful to you. Help us to love this broken world enough to bear burdens and to show them you. In Jesus' name, amen.